1: Well, hi there, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the Gary Neville podcast. We've got a lot to talk about. (laughs) Um, Let's start with fans back in the stadium. You've been at two games now. I've been at two games. Um, We're in tier two, so we're lucky (laughs) to have that happen. Um, The impact and your feel on it.
2: I think the joy on the fans' faces, just seeing these Tottenham fans behind the goal. They're able to celebrate with the players at the end of a derby win is something that obviously... It's a massive step forward when you think where we were six months ago. we not knowing when football was going to turn uh, to now thinking that fans are back in the stadium. And I've said it in both matches that I've been to, when you see them spaced out in the way in which they are behind that goal behind there, you think to yourself, well, they could get this up to six to eight to 10,000 and beyond quite quickly in a very safe manner. You know, I was outside an hour and a half before the game, seeing those fans come in, and it's really orderly. They're all being checked. I then walked around the concourse and had a coffee, And saw again, the fact that there's just so much space, particularly in these vast stadiums like this. So I think 2000 is a big step forward. But I think the more exciting thing is that I think we'll start to see that increase quite quickly into the new year in uh, February. Because one thing the Premier League have done brilliantly in this last few months is bring football back safely. And I think what they'll do now is trace these 2000 fans over the next couple of weeks to make sure that they aren't having any Um, there isn't a spread of the virus through obviously them being in this stadium today once they've proven that I would then start to see the sort of fans coming up quickly but it's been brilliant to see the, the, the fans back in stadiums and the players interacting with them
1: a couple of aspects about it. They're only home fans. Yeah. Um, you could say that balances up the fact that the away teams had a, a yeah. bit of an advantage with no fans at all. Um, will that play a part? I mean, I've done two home wins, at Chelsea mm. and, and Tottenham. You, you were at West Ham, where, of course, Manchester United silenced the home fans. But will that be a factor? I mean, are we going to try and get away fans in?
2: I, I, to be honest with you, I don't think the fans will be too much of a factor in, in swaying the games one way or the other. Uh, compared to how it was before when there were no fans in. I don't think, because the stadiums are so big, there might be the odd stadium where it's a little bit more noisy. I watched uh, I watched Salford yesterday play at Barrow and there were, I think, 1,200 in there and it was a real decent atmosphere because obviously a smaller stadium, but we're in a 60,000-seater stadium here and to have 2,000 fans in doesn't have that same impact. But these Tottenham fans have given it up. They're all behind that uh, goal today and they certainly made themselves heard. And... Um, you know, I think it, I don't think it'll give them an advantage, though. Is my, is my honest feeling more being at home still does?
1: Well, what about the tiers? The fact that Tier Three can't have any fans. and clubs, <laughs> a lot of clubs, and uh, I know that's 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 a, an issue outside of football, uh, but football yeah. has to deal with it.
2: Yeah, Martin, I've been I've been down London now here for three days. I had a meeting down here on Thursday, and then obviously I had the games at the weekend. So I stayed down, and I've been able to obviously go out into restaurants, and there were big. There was yesterday um a protest outside Harrods believe it or not, I actually walked around there yesterday just to have a sort of wander around. It was absolutely packed i mean packed beyond belief in tier two with very little social distancing, people without masks on um and obviously you know I'm back in tier three area t- tomorrow in Manchester,
1: and it's very different and I think just and the football clubs in the north are suffering because they're not allowed the 2,000 fans in because yeah. of that. I mean, yeah, like it, it, it is li- a governmental choice. Yeah, in Liverpool
2: they are, obviously in Merseyside yeah. they are, but mm. in, in the northwest in Manchester they're not, um, in Lancashire they're not, and we know where we're at at this moment in time. Um, but I think that. You know, look, I don't think I don't think clubs in Tier 3 are whinging hugely about the fact they can't get 2,000 fans in. I think it's a bigger issue around, obviously, the other sort of sectors where they're being devastated. I don't think it's the end of the earth to Manchester United or Manchester City if they can't get 2,000 fans in from a financial point of view, but they'd love to get the fans back in the stadium. Uh, and it's not a case of uh, doing that for any other reason than that's where football fans belong. I mean, I... I When I think about football fans in terms of the influence on my career, I genuinely do not believe that my career would have been anything like it was without football fans. And I know that maybe most players could say that, but the the way in which the fans responded to me, the way in which I responded to the fans, the way in which I always thought that they were the theatre in the game. If we scored a goal, I celebrated with them. Obviously, I'm my teammates, but with them, you know, when we celebrated goals, it was it was with them that we celebrated because we wanted them to see that hunger and passion and desire in our faces. And we know what we've lost now. You know, we always said, imagine football without fans. We used to ask that question, didn't we? We won't be asking it anymore for those of us who've lived through this pandemic because we now know what it's like. And it's it's bad. It's really bad compared to the uh, it's not it's not bad as in. You know, when we like watching it, but it's bad compared to what we've seen before. We've seen such riches in the Premier League over this last 25 years with the football, the fans, you know, the the, the stadiums of the world class. This stadium we're in here is an absolute, it's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. It's, and to think that this would have been 60,000 full today celebrating is, we know it's going to come back and let's hope it's soon.
1: Well, let's work through chronologically from the start of the weekend, yeah. where Manchester had a good Saturday. Manchester <laughs> City were um, expected winners, um, yeah. but they're gradually sneaking up on the rails. They are, and I think the fact that they're not out of sight, Pep
2: Guardiola will be enthused by that because with the season start to the season they've had, if Liverpool had been at the levels they were in the previous couple of seasons, then there'd been a lot lot of points behind, but that's the position that all of the teams that have had disappointing starts the season by their own standards find themselves in Manchester United. Miraculously, find themselves, <laughs> you know, where they are with, with at times with some performances that have been well below. But Manchester City, uh, you knew that at some point they would start to sort of motor along and get it right. It's still not perfect. It's still not anywhere near the levels that we've seen in the, in, in the last few years because the levels they've set have been out of this world. But I really am looking forward to the Manchester derby next Saturday. I know you're going to be there and it'll be an interesting fixture to see how um, both teams fare.
1: Well, Manchester United have scored, what, six second-half goals in two away <laughs> games. Um, and then did they... Obviously, I was watching from Stanford Bridge on the monitor. You were there. It looked out <laughs> the ball that uh, it, led to the equalising goal, and whether you saw that happening in the game, it might well have been going that way. But it was the moment that allowed the, yeah. the equaliser.
2: It, it, it was my feeling at the time that the, 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 the where, where the ball landed when it finally came back in, it was so close to the touchline that you then imagine, well, it must have swung out to come back in. We've seen it with corners before, where you think, well, that must have gone, that must have gone out, and. The problem is the two angles that we got weren't really conclusive um, and we didn't have the technology uh, within the game on site or obviously at Stockley Park to be able to prove it. I'm not sure it's something they've ever thought of. I did see something on social media this morning where I think one of the broadcasters had pulled down almost like a sheer wall and you could see that the ball was behind that. Uh, And I think that for me... It's something for the authorities to look at. We measure everything else. David Moyes knew it was out. He was the one that had the best view of it, it would seem. He was on that touchline. But, yeah, the gut, the gut, the gut instinct was that it was out. But the problem we have is that you know I don't think the, the fourth official, sorry, I don't think the officials at Stockley Park could have given it. It had to be the assistant referee on that side or the fourth official maybe could have had one of the better views of it depending on where he was
1: but they took their opportunities and they are a strange mix, Manchester United, of the bizarre and the brilliant.
2: Yes, I mean, I have to say that that was an appalling first-half performance. I said the word shocking, abysmal, every adjective you could use because it was just absolutely terrible. They were well off it. They were second to the ball, nothing in terms of possession, so scrappy. West Ham were far better Yet you almost knew that if West Ham didn't get the second, that they're going to have a problem and they need to do more in the first half because what Manchester United have is four or five match
1: winners. Game-changing players.
2: Yeah, game-changing players. They're playing in moments. Um, my concern is for the longer term that you need performances, performances that knit together and that look like there is a an identity building. And I can't quite see what they are yet. They can't play without Bruno. I don't know what it is. I mean, he, he's a he's a very, very good player, but you would think that van der Beek and Pogba... McTominay in midfield with Greenwood, Cavani and Martial would be able to do so much better than that. But then the minute that Bruno comes on, I have to say Marcus Rashford as well, he probably had a bigger impact yesterday. But Bruno's influence on the team is huge. And sometimes we see that you you can't compare Bruno to Harry Kane because I think he's got to do a lot more in the Premier League. But you, you just know that Harry Kane has an influence on his teammates that's bigger than just his own performances, which are really excellent. And Bruno is exactly the same on this Manchester United team. He's only been there. You know, a short period of time. But as soon as he comes on yesterday, they just seem a bit more arrogant, a bit more connected, uh, cohesive. And I don't know what it is when they when he doesn't play. I can't get excited. Manchester United are where I think they. If you said there was a point in the second half where I said, if you just said to Manchester United, and you know, they're going to Solskjaer, and even the fans at the start of the season, there'll be a couple of points off Liverpool. There'll be playing in a group with Paris Saint-Germain and Leipzig and they'll need to go to Leipzig for a draw, they're in the final of the Carabao Cup and obviously the FA Cup hasn't started yet. You'd say that's a pretty good start to the season. That's what I would expect of this Manchester United squad. But how they've got there <laughs> is the bizarre bit because you watch them in games and you think, what's that? You go to Turkey, it's awful. They play against Leipzig home, they win 5-0. You know, it's just up and down. Up and down, not from game to game, week to week, from half to half. Uh, and yesterday for 20 minutes, they were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But for large parts of that game, they were well below that. And they've got to get the performance levels consistent. And I'm not sure they can because of the fact that there's players that play individually. They don't knit together. And I'm, that's what you can see now with Spurs for three weeks. I've watched them every week. There's a they're knitting a performance together that I can see a consistency in a pattern Obviously, Liverpool have it. City have it. You know, you can see those patterns emerging. Chelsea now, I think Frank's starting to find. And with United, I'm still thinking, what type of team are they? You know, we know what type of team Tottenham are, but I'm not quite sure. I know what type of team Manchester United are. And all I can describe them as at this moment in time is a team that win games through being good in individual moments of brilliance. Whether it be Mason Greenwood yesterday, Pogba strike rashford's breakthrough on goal and i would add into that bruno fernandez knitting them together and creating moments of real quality
0: the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well
1: Another team that came from behind to win was Chelsea. Mm. Took them on Saturday night to top of the table and Frank Lampard set out to do something that no other club has done this season to Leeds United to outwork them and outrun them.
2: Well, I, I, you watched the game and I didn't because I was on my way back from, uh, from, from the, from the, from the uh, West ham Manchester united game. I think I didn't see this game against Leeds, but I'm impressed the more that I see Chelsea week by week. And I mentioned it during this game here today, Tottenham Arsenal. I think that that performance from Chelsea last week went up in my estimations, having seen what Tottenham have now done to City and to Arsenal. Because it was a really measured performance from Chelsea. It was a clever performance, that. And actually, they should have won that game. Abraham had a, real, a couple of really good headers, chances. Giroud's won in the last couple of minutes, which would have just stole the game. I think Chelsea deserved to win that game last week. And they also limited Tottenham's chances to next to nothing in that second half. And that's a more impressive performance the more I think about it today. So going back last week... And then they've won 4-0 in Seville. They win 4-0 in Seville, and then they can go to... You say yesterday they ran Leeds off the pitch. Yeah, and Leeds had had a free week. Yeah, Yeah. so to me, an adaptable team, a team that obviously are taking on board what Frank Lampard can do. One week he's saying to them, look, I want you to really change today. I want you to be measured. I want you to sit back. I don't want you to fall for the Jose trick and get counter-punched. I want you to sit back because you will get chances in this game, and I think we'll win 1-0. But he made sure he didn't lose the game. And that's a mature coach that does that and so for me Chelsea are impressing me they've got a real chance when people talk about Tottenham can they win the league I'm still like that well, I think, come on to that yeah <laughs> I think Chelsea can't I think Chelsea have got more of a chance mm. because they've got Kante because they've got um, you know, Thiago Silva because they've got players that I think that would navigate them to it I do think Kane could. They've got a
1: real winning culture, haven't they, they are, as well? Got, uh, yeah, yeah, they've
2: got winning. They've won trophies. Yeah, yeah. The, the club always wins trophies. Abramovich wins trophies for, for Chelsea. So there's something there. They've got good players, talented players, and they also, to be fair, can do the ugly side of the game as well. So they're a, they're a real threat.
1: I've got to mention Jamie Vardy, who's come up again with yeah. a, a win and Leicester. I feel sorry for Chris Wilder. I think yeah. everybody in the game does. It looks as though nothing's going his way. He would have got a point. It would have only been what their second point. And then Vardy does uh, what he still, even in the 90th minute, can still do: run away from uh, the opposition.
2: Yeah. Well, I just arrived upon the gantry as that goal was going in, and uh, there was an angle of Chris Wilder, a shot where Chris Wilder was sort of crouched down on the touchline, and he saw it going in, and he just his head went and. He, it was an awful image, really, It's what football is. And it's an image that sometimes, you know, you, you, you need to see because it, it shows us how much they care and the work that they've gone in all week to the performance and that Chris Wilder, the, the, you know, Sunday comes, the game comes and in the last minute, it's taken away from you and Jamie and Vardy.
1: the Premier League and and that's what we love about it. It still happens. Jamie Vardy's still providing it yeah. and in that game. But even with all the difficulties that 2020 has produced for the Premier League, it's still... Right on the money at the end,
2: yeah. And it was, it was, it was the typical Vardy goal. I'm not sure who the defender was, and you, you who was the defender I think for Sheffield it was United, Egan. I think. was it? Yeah, and you said it, you know, make the foul, just got, you've just unfortunately, and the fans sometimes won't like to listen to this yeah. at home. You've just got to trip him up, mm. get the red card, save your team the points, and then just think about it another day. He didn't do he sort of just he actually, to be fair, got himself out of the way, he sort of pulled back. A very honest thing to do. Demonstrates the level of integrity, but I think when you're. You've just got to pull him down. You just have to. Unfortunately, you know, I think I would have pulled him down. I think all of Jose Mourinho's
1: players would have done that. Oh, absolutely. As well, because <laughs> that brings us back to where we are talking from the Tottenham Gantry. And I guess we're looking now at a game that must have been perhaps one of the most predictable <laughs> outcomes of 90 minutes. You spurs score and then protect it. That's Mourinho's way. But they scored one outstanding goal and yep. one goal that looked outstanding but had a, a little bit of an asterisk against it. It did.
2: I, I, we was talking in the second half, weren't we, me and Jamie, about that Arsenal played well. And I said that, you know, Jose Mourinho and Rafa Benitez's teams, you could play against them and they feel like you've played well but lose 1-0 or 2-0 and they haven't given you much of a chance during the game. Um, and I think Mikel to will be saying that at the end. And it took, I think we changed. There was a period where Sir Alex Ferguson changed his uh, style against Rafa Benitez, where we kept getting done on the counter-attack with Michael Owen and Torres in that channel and those types of players. And he said, oh, forget that now. Let, let, let's let them beat us at Anfield. Let's see how their fans react if we sit off them a little bit. Narrow our back four, keep tight, let them come on to us, let them start to end. The crowd will have to call them forward. We know mm-hmm. the Anfield crowd will. And we started to have more success when we started to do that way against Julier and against Rafa Benitez. And we had to change our principles. That's what Frank Lampard did last week. And you see this performance here today, and they've been beaten the way in which we thought they would be beat, mm-hmm. by counter-attack. You're right, the parte going off during the second goal is something that... Causes a problem for Mikel Arteta, but they've been done by two counterattacks. And I thought Gabriel on the first one, he should have gone in and hit Kane and made not hit him, as in terms of done anything, done any damage to him. But you know, tackled him, challenged him, made sure he couldn't bring it down. There were other players around. You cannot let Harry Kane bring the ball down and feed Son or feed Bergwijn. You just can't. But it's proven to costly to teams and the conceding goals through it. And Mikel Arteta's team did play well. They dominated possession. They passed it well, but but it's Jose Mourinho, and he's now got a team here. I, I just, it wasn't a marriage at all I ever saw. So Daniel Levy, Jose Mourinho, Tottenham, I just never the saw demands it. demands
1: of the fans, I mean, we'll see what happens, but um, most of the Tottenham fans won't have been alive when Spurs last no. won the league. So, I mean, that that's a different kind of adventure, and whichever way you do it, if you do it, it's worth it.
2: Yes, and that's what they're buying into. The players are buying into it. I think he's giving them belief. They're good, they're good in, they can handle big matches, this team
1: now. Bergwijn played in his own half pretty yeah. much the whole game.
2: But Ma- Martin, we've seen them against United, we've seen them against City, we've seen them against Chelsea and we've seen them against um, Arsenal today and they've picked up 10 points uh, out of 12. They can play in big matches, they know how to handle big matches, they look experienced, they look wise, they look cute, a little bit nasty. The the the, I called them the mafia during the game. There's four or five of them now on the touchline around Jose Mourinho. They're all at the fourth official. Then one throws a water bottle on, and then the the substitute. Oh, don't make that substitute yet. We'll wait and we'll delay.
1: And even even somewhat bashfully, the three Welsh guys, the three Welsh subs, yeah, (laughs) delaying the throw, (laughs) delaying the
2: throw-ins. You know, you see them making fouls, tactical fouls, and giving them. You know, just little things that you always associate with Jose Mourinho that actually, I don't think it was pleasant. I know some people maybe reveled in it a little bit, the fact that Jose Mourinho struggled at Manchester United and that he lost a little bit of his magic, his charm, his that angst that he used to have in interviews. He's got I it back.
1: Put it, put it to you, Gary, that Manchester United fans would not have accepted a team no, playing like that. No, 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 absolutely so right. So it was a mismatch, really. It was, it was a mismatch.
2: Yeah. And But to be fair, seeing him down here, seeing him in the interviews in the week, saying no one, see, no, we played four games in a week and no one feels sorry for us, taking on the other big managers, mm. that's where we want Mourinho. We want him in the faces of everybody. Not because we like hostility or we like confrontation, but we want that spike. I don't want A football game where the managers, the top managers, haven't got that spike between them. I lived through it for 20 years with a manager that did take on other managers, and it was it was a challenge, and it was part of the theatre of the game. And the the way in which those Arsenal people talk about those Arsenal Manchester United encounters, it came from the managers. It came from the managers, and you can imagine that Jose playing against Pep, Jose playing against Jurgen Klopp, imagine if we could get fans back in the stadium at a good level into January, February, March, and we had a title race with those three managers involved in it, it would be a real, real you know, battle whereby the different conflicting styles, the way in which they see the game, there is... Obviously, respect there between them for what they've achieved. But I I really like the idea of a a successful Jose Mourinho coming back. Successful to the point whereby he's competitive again. And he can go and take the other managers on. If you're sixth and seventh or wherever you may be in the league, you can't even think about even entertaining uh, Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola. You've got to be up there with them. You've got to be in the same sort of field as them to be able to have a go at them. And that's where I think he feels he is now with his team, because he's got some really top players.
1: So, finish off. Last question. Is Jose's little pony <laughs> in a thoroughbred race with a chance? I think he's got a chance because of the fact that there's
2: no doubt that Liverpool and City are not where they were. You know, losing Van Dijk. I think, I said the other night on Monday Night Football, I think Liverpool win this league at a canter uh, if Van Dijk's fit. I really do. That No one can get near them. I still think they win this league, but there are little things that are just going against them that haven't gone against them in the last couple of years. And the same with City. And that makes it, it makes it interesting. And there are just a couple of teams, Chelsea at the moment, uh, Tottenham, that are just looking at them thinking, hmm, they're not right. I and mean, we're OK here. Eh? We're just uh, starting to hit form. We're building a spirit and we're getting closer to them. And the fact they're getting closer to them and the fact that they're not right is, I think, giving confidence, even to Manchester United. I think the Manchester United players will be sat there and thinking, if we can start to play like we could, then even we might have a chance, daftly enough as it sounds. I don't think they will win the league, but that's what this season is doing to us because the top two have set a bar that I've never seen before. None of us have ever seen before in the previous couple of seasons, and now we're seeing something that's more normal. Thank you. Thank you.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal